Welcome to Three Blokes and the Rugby Podcast. This is a very special interview segment we've got here. Myself, Joss and Jed are joined by one of the all-time England, Great Britain and all-time rugby league greats, Adrian Morley. Welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you getting on? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, it's a very crazy world living it at the minute. But apart from uh, what's going on with COVID, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. We're uh, still living over in Salford, but... Um, Watched the rugby league at the weekend and um, living in Salford, obviously, uh, fantastic result for, for them guys. And it's just a bit of a shame, really. You know, it's bittersweet that first time we've got to the final in 51 years and, and no Salford fans can go and, and cheer them on. But uh, that's the way they will. But I'm sure they'll still love to be in this position, you know, with the chance of uh, getting their hands on the Challenge Cup. Who are you cheering for, mate? Your first club and your last club, your own town club. Who are you going to go for? Well, being born in Salford and, um, and and raised in Salford, I still got a well. I'm a Salford fan basically, so I'm uh, I'm going to go with Salford. So uh, it's going to be tough, you know. The, the Leeds boys are a bit more more used to playing in these bigger games, but they've done fantastically well to get there, and there's no reason why they can't go all the way. So uh, I'll be uh, cheering the uh, the Red Devils on. I think three Wakefield fans in us in us were on your side as well, mate. We don't want Leeds to win. I think I think a lot of the neutrals will will go for the Salford just because they are the underdogs and similar to the grand final last year, there's that many neutrals I spoke to who said I hope I hope your boys do it, uh, and I think that'll be the that'll be the case uh, in two weeks' time as well. Definitely, mate. Obviously, you mentioned you're born and raised in Salford, 10th of May 1977. What initially got you into rugby league, mate? Was it in your upbringing or was it just not random? Well, I, I grew up about about 200 metres from the Willows, you know, where Salford used to play. So rugby league was literally always in the, in the background. And I've got two older brothers who played rugby league. But uh, my first love was, was football, being from Salford. It's a, it's a massive football town, city. And, uh, you know, big Man United fan. And I used to play football first. And it worked until I went to high school. They played, uh, you know, I discovered rugby league. But as soon as I had my first game of rugby league, when you could beat people up and not get in trouble. I just thought, this is the sport for me. And then and then it went from there. But quite a big moment for me when um, when I was 14, my brother Chris, he signed professionally for St. Helens. And that gave me, got me thinking, well, if he can do it, you know, why can't I? And that, that's when I started then to think about, you know, maybe earning a bit of money from playing the, the, the game I love. And, and uh, thankfully, it went, went, went really well. Awesome, mate. So, what were your amateur career? Where, where were your amateur clubs? Did you get a little bit of scholarship deals, or mainly just Leeds? Um, it was main, main, well, the only amateur club was Eccles, but we, we was all right, don't get me wrong, but it weren't until uh, under 18. So, all, all the best players my age, you know, there was Sean Long, uh, Paul Schoolthorpe, Kieran Cunning, was quite vintage, you know, the talent, but when all the best players signed pro, they signed at school. None of my Eccles team signed, and then under 18, suddenly we were the the, the best team. So we won the we won the league, and then we uh, we made the the Lancashire Cup final. Now uh, we had a player called Nathan McAvoy who was our best player and went on to have a great career. All the clubs wanted to sign Nathan, so when, when all the pro clubs come around looking at Nathan, he gave the rest of us a chance to show what we could do. And uh, I'd had two offers: I had an offer from Lee and an offer from Swinton. And I just, I was just delighted to get a professional contract offer. And I just thought, if I don't sign for anyone else at the end of the year, I'm going to sign for one of them too. But I wanted, I wanted Salford to come in for me. You know, I was a massive, massive Salford fan. 
Uh, and this final we played, Lancashire Cup finals against the Blackbrook, and it was at the Willows, and I thought, oh, now's my chance to show Solby what I've got. I played the game, I played well, but the lead scout uh, come up to me and said, become watching McAvoy, but we like what we see in you, Adrian, we want to talk to you about signing. So, you know, I, I thought my, my level was probably, you know, you Swinton or your Lees, where you're still getting a few quid for playing, but, you know, one of the lower clubs. But then when, when Leeds come in, who, um, you know, apart from Wigan, who were the best team in the land, Leeds were, you know, right up there. And, and it was just a bit of a dream come true, really. The likes of Ellery Anley and Gary Schofield and Kevin Arrow on their books. So uh, it was a no-brainer, really, signing for Leeds. And uh, if I had a cyber solver, I dare say I might not have got as developed as, as good as I did at Leeds. But I was still gutted that Solver didn't come in for me. But... You know, the way it worked out, I can't really complain. You, you made your debut for Leeds, mate, actually pre-Super League. Just tell us about that squad that you came into. You know, you mentioned Hanley and stuff. And do you know, in lockdown, they actually showed uh, the game. Uh, I, I made, made my debut in, I think it was 25 years. And uh, it, it was fascinating watching that because you, 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 I have memories of that game and Nothing like what was in my head, what actually happened. But <laughs> but you're right, there was, uh, you know, Elry Anley, uh, Gary Schofield, Craig Guinness, the uh, Kiwi Centre, uh, Alan Tate. Uh, it was just littered with, with, with stars and uh, it, it was great watching that. It, it was back in the day where they only had two substitutes and uh, I was really, really nervous before the game. And after 20 minutes, Marcus Vasilokopoulos went down, who was my position. And I was thinking, get up, Vassy, I don't want to go on just yet. You know, five or ten minutes at the end would have done me, but it was no good. And I played about 60 minutes in, me, uh, in the first game, but it was great. You know, uh, yeah, I was only 17 years old and, you know, my if you would have looked at my amateur career, you wouldn't have thought I would have had the professional career because, you know, I wasn't one of the better players. But uh, I only played about six months in the in the. Uh, academy when they played about six eighteen games and they got an opportunity to to play for the first team and then once I did play I was pretty much uh, a regular then but it was it was great watching that that game and uh, you know reliving a few of the memories. Yeah, just looking into the next season, mate. Nineteen ninety six, Leeds actually finished tenth out of twelve. Quite a tough season, but you know, Dean Dean Belt the captain, you've got Harvey Howard, you've got Barry McDermott as well, mate. I mean. I think the socials must have been a bit decent as well outside. <laughs> they were, and you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, when the when when the game went full time, uh, you know, in '96, uh, a lot of the clubs went a lot more professional, and quite rightly so. But I was really pleased I got a chance to play in the old era where it was part time rugby league, where you you had a proper job during the day and then you you played at night, and that was. It was a drinking culture at the end of the day, you know, uh, after every training session you'd have a few pints and certainly after games you'd go straight on the drink. But, uh, you know, that's dying out now and, and, and quite rightly so. I mean, all these guys are athletes now, but I'm glad they had the best of both worlds, really, where I had a bit of fun and then, uh, you know, got, got pretty serious later on in the career. After that season, mate, you actually got picked for England for the first time in, in, in two tests against New Zealand in New Zealand. I mean, what was that like going across there? You even managed to score a try in, in the losing effort. But, you know, the team were like Dennis Bett, Sandy Farrell, Kieran Cunningham up against Ruben Wickey and Stephen King. Well, since I started taking rugby league seriously, uh, you know, 13, 14, uh, Great Britain was the, the be-all and end-all for me. You know, uh, I used to watch Salford, that was my club, but I couldn't wait for the end of the year and 
you know, find out where Great Britain are touring or who's coming over here. And it was just just magical, you know, everything about Great Britain, you know, the iconic jerseys and the, the fantastic players who played before me. So when I did sign pro, uh, it's a bit, few stepping stones then. It's, you know, make the A team, try and make the first team. And once I was in the first team, it's my goal then to cement my place there first and foremost. But then, you know, try and uh, play rep- representative uh, rugby league. And I got a chance to do that at, at 19. And, um, you know, when, when I did get picked, I knew it was just uh, uh, on the, you know, in, in my head, there was a test team and a midweek team. I was very much a midweek team at, at the start of the tour. But the performances were, were good. And then I got a chance to play in, in two test matches, as you say. And uh, to do that, I had to pinch myself, you know, when I was touring, you know, these uh, uh, unbelievable places like Papua New Guinea, Fiji, New Zealand, thinking I'm, I'm getting paid to, to represent Great Britain, which is uh, a huge, huge honour. And, uh, you know, I had to pinch myself thinking, wow, this was the best six weeks of my life, really. And, you know, got a chance to play in the test. But then once you have a taste of it, you want more. So I wanted to you know, I wanted to tour again. I wanted to play for, you know, test matches again. So it's a great incentive. And then, you know, it did help me, my club career because, you know, I just figured that if my form was good enough for Leeds, at the end of the year, I'd get a chance to play uh, for my country. And it was pretty much like that most years. You know, I was uh, very fortunate and, and uh, proud to play for my country for a, for a long time and, and many times. Yeah, definitely, mate. And I guess that experience will have just been invaluable for you throughout and going forward in your career at such a young stage. Uh, the next season, 97 for Leeds, managed a fifth place finish, a much better season. Uh, loses the playoffs to Wigan, unfortunately, and in the Challenge Cup semis to Bradford. Uh, definitely a better season. And Dean Bell's last season as the player coach for the club. Um, how was that time period coming off the back of obviously representative honours? It was fantastic. And, uh, you know, 96 was a very, very Disappointing year for, for, for the Rhinos, you know, the, uh, well, they weren't called the Rhinos then, actually. Uh, you know, there, there was in the relegation zone for, for a while there. Uh, but then, um, you know, trying to keep up with the mighty Wigan side of the, of, of the time, they, they'd overspent and they nearly went bankrupt. And uh, it took the introduction of Gary Edrington and uh, Paul Caddick to, to, first of all, save the club. And then they started a rebuilding phase. And that's when uh, the Leeds Rhinos come into it, you know, new brand in 97 and, they did invest a bit of money, um, you know, Yistin Harris was a, was a major signing. But then uh, they, they had a, I think they had a five-year plan and, you know, year on year it was, was better. But, but 97 was a, was a great year. It was, uh, it was a lot more competitive in the league and it was the year of the, the World Club Challenge. Uh, and I know it had its knockers, but what a fantastic experience for me and, and, and the boys to actually tour uh, Australia and, and represent the, the Leeds Rhinos in Australia and... and reciprocate that them boys coming over to, to England but it was a fantastic concept just unfortunate that the British teams we didn't really you know uh, we, we got leathered in a lot of the games and, and it weren't, weren't great spectacles really but in terms of enjoyment it was a fantastic year uh, we, we did finish fifth which was a massive improvement and then again at the end of the year I got, got an opportunity a chance to uh, to play for Great Britain again and that was first time I played against the Aussies when, when, they, when they toured over here with the, uh, with the Super League tour yeah, just touching on that, mate, it was, a, it was a 2-1 series defeat to the Aussies, unfortunately. However, we did pick up a win at Old Trafford, which I'm sure being a bigger Manchester United fan, I bet that was a surreal experience for yourself. And how was it coming up against the likes of like Gordon Tallis, Brad Fawn and Bradley Clyde? Well, it was great. I mean, you know, um, 
I, I was still only a kid, really. I was still only 20 years old and I got an opportunity. I played at Wembley uh, in the first test and uh, that, that was incredible. Even though we got a, a bit of a good hiding, it was just great to, to, to you know, play at Wembley for, for Great Britain. And uh, I come off the bench, I must have done okay because the following week I got, I got a start. And uh, that was at Old Trafford and you're right. Um, first time I played at Old Trafford, uh, being a big Man United fan. Uh, all my mates and family was there because it was only down the road and, and that's the game we, we, we got the win. So it was very, very uh, special memories. Um, and the following week, it was at Ellen Road. And, you know, we went in the game confident, but they just blew us away in the, in the first half. And, um, you know, they really uh, knocked us for six, which uh, we, didn't, we didn't quite recover. But it made the experience no less special. And um, at the end of the series, Gordon Tallis was a big, big hero of mine, you know, growing up, same position. And, I just loved the way he played. He was a bit of a madman. And uh, I actually swapped jerseys with, with Guardian. Uh, I didn't swap many jerseys throughout my career, but he's, that's one jersey I do take pride in. And, um, you know, I've got it, got it up on the wall. I don't blame you, mate. I think uh, pretty much everyone in the world in that position would have done the same for such an icon like uh, Gordy. Um, off the back of that season, you had another good season with Leeds, lifted the club to second on the ladder, only losing one game at home all season before beating Halifax and then losing to Wigan, beating Saints and eventually losing to Wigan again in the grand final. I see the real, that real rivalry that you had going on there. Did you sort of feel that the piece of the puzzle was starting to come together then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it was, on the, it was on the way up. But for me, the, the best sign in Leeds made was uh, the coach Graham Murray. He was absolutely fantastic. He was it was great for me personally but but great for the team and you know people ask what, what was his strengths but I don't want to do him as a disservice as a coach. He was very, very competent as a coach but he didn't do anything out of the ordinary but he was just a just a great guy and a fantastic bloke and um, he, he got he got this unity throughout the team and I think that's half the battle if you've got a coach who who uh, you know you you love and you know respect. You know you'll run through brick walls from. Whereas if the coach is a bit of an idiot, you'll just think, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not performing for this guy. But, but yeah, he had a great balance of uh, being a good coach and being a being a great guy. And you know, under Graham, we made the um, inaugural grand final, which uh, you know, very very proud to play in the very first uh, grand final. There was, I say only, but there was there was uh, still forty thousand people there that first game. It was. A miserable night, which has proved to be pretty much the case every year. But we didn't realise what, what this concept was going to be, the grand final. You know, they had it in Aussie every year. It's a huge event and, and quite rightly so. And, and it's took that mantle over in, in England. But it was great to play in the first one. But, you know, we, we just just a bit, um, just fell short of the final hurdle. But it was a, you know, really successful year. Uh, beat Wigan home and away. And uh, it was just neck and neck with, with, with them boys. But it was just... Too good for us on the night, but it was a really enjoyable year. Yeah, definitely, mate. And the following season, finished third, another another good season, but a surprise loss to uh, to Cass in, in the playoffs. But I suppose the, the more focus of that season will be uh, lifting that Challenge Cup, beating London in the final, going to the Wembley. Um, I know you played there previously for, for Rip Honours, but it'd be nice to get there, obviously, in a, in a final. And then more international honours as uh, Great Britain faced Australia, New Zealand and the Tri-Nations down under. Fortunately, we did lose both games, but that must have been a, a really big season for you. A lot of positives to take and, and playing with such immense players such as like your Harris, Senior, Radlinski, Robinson. What was that period for you in that season like? Well, it, it was massive. That was, that was probably my most important year. Um, making the grand final the, the year before that gave us the, the confidence then to, 
to make these finals. And then uh, the, the following year, not many people know this, the, the way you, you, your pay structure is in the Challenge Cup, your first round, you might play, a, you know, one of the uh, lower division clubs, you might get 400 quid for the win or as you, as you go on in the, uh, in the rounds, the, your, your money goes up. Now, Gary Edrington said, right, we can do it the normal way where, you know, 400 quid, 500 quid and then grand or two grand for the semi. And then if you win it, you might get three or four grand. He said, we can do it that way if you want, or you can do it all or nothing where if you win it, you get a big Brucey bonus. Or if you get to the final and don't win it, you get nothing and nothing for all the other rounds. I mean, we're that confident from the year before. We said, yeah, we want the, uh, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for broke. So if we're the... If we'd have not won it, we'd have got nothing. But winning it, we, we got end up thirteen thousand pound each, which was a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money, and uh, there was rumours that when we was in the final, Gary didn't wanted us to lose, just we didn't have to pay out the, uh, <laughs> pay out the bonus. But uh, but we went down there, got the win. It was the last ever uh, final at Wembley before it got demolished. So it was nice to uh, nice to play there and, uh, and tick the box. And uh, it was everything I thought it would be playing at Wembley and in, in a Challenge Cup final. And, you know, the fact we got the win. So that was great club-wise, but, you know, on a personal point of view, it was a, it was a huge tour when we went to Australia and New Zealand for me, because that's when uh, I played the Aussies up in, in Brisbane and you're right, we got beat, but the great Arthur Beatson come up to me in the players' bar with uh, the owner, Nick Politis, from the, the Sydney Roosters and said, we watch you, Adrian, we want to talk to you about coming out and playing in Australia. But I didn't think too much of it at the time, but then... Um, a couple of weeks later, Graeme Murray got the head coaching position there at the Roosters and that's when it all started fitting into place then. And uh, I just thought, you know, I always wanted to go to the NRL, but I thought it'd be later on in my career when I was a bit older, but uh, I was still only uh, 22. Uh, but I just thought, if I don't go now, I might not get another opportunity. But um, so that's when, uh, you know, all the interest started. But, but just touring, you know, I toured New Zealand, but I'd never been to Australia with, with Great Britain. That was... Absolutely fantastic, and uh, when, when you do tour, you know you've got the best players in England or Great Britain uh, in the squad, and um, you know always a great experience. But '99 was a really, really big year, club and uh, uh, internationally. Yeah, so 2000 rolls on for you, mate, and obviously another 25 games, five tries, going well, playoffs, Challenge Cup finals. Um, obviously, but at this point, Bulmania had really started to kick off, and obviously, you're playing for Leeds, so everyone knows about the rivalry. But what would it like being in that dressing room going out against them and obviously coming short against them at Murrayfield? What, what were the feeling there? Was it always a rivalry, or did it just grow as it went through? Well, it, it grown over the, over the last few years. I mean, 96, you know, they give us a good hiding. 97, they were still better than us, but we got better. 98, you know, we, we was probably the, the better side, and then. 99, there's nothing in it. In 2000, again, it was there's nothing in it. And uh, the fact that they are such close uh, neighbours, you know, added, added more spice. They had a great side, really great side. And them games were, were fantastic. Uh, you know, heading the odds. So there was, you know, close to 20,000 at them, them fixtures and they're always close games and they were a joy to play. But the start of the year, we had a terrible start to the year. We had a new coach, Dean Lance. Now, I don't know whether it was the fact that we had a new coach, but... For one reason or another, we had a terrible start. We lost the first five games of uh, Super League and then we scraped a win in the Challenge Cup, got a win in the league. And So we went into that game at Murrayfield uh, in terrible form and you know Bradford were flying high. So uh, the bookies, you know, they was red up favourites. But 
in the game, you know, we, we did uh, give, give, them a, give them a good game. They got to off to a good start, but then we found our feet and our composure. And if the game had gone on five minutes longer, I think we'd have got the win. We had the momentum and uh, I think they beat us by about two points, but it was a, it was a close one. And But the, the game nearly got cancelled, actually. It was... It was flooding up there in in, uh, in Scotland. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but they had to bring the army in to uh, to pump the the water off the pitch, and they finally got it playable. So it did it did go on, but it was a great experience, but not as in, enjoyable as Wembley. Not the fact that we, we did win, but just the, the stadium. It took a bit of shine off it playing, you know, uh, a different venue. But great experience, and uh, yeah, I say if it had gone on a bit longer, we could have uh, maybe sneaked it. Obviously, at this point, obviously talking about it now, we know what illustrious careers Chev Walker, Kevin Sinfield, JJ B had. Like, obviously, there were young lads at this point coming through. Could you always, did you always have that knowledge that they were always going to go on to be successful? Or is it just from the hard graft they put in? Oh, definitely. I mean, Kevin Sinfield was, um, you know, the ultimate professional, probably the most professional person I'd ever met. Even as a kid, you know, um, he did, did everything right. And, uh, you know, Chev Walker had the pleasure of playing. In Chev's debut, he was only 16 year old, but he was a he was a man trapped in a kid's body. You know, he was absolutely massive, Chev. But but just all, all them guys, you know, you can tell it's uh, Leeds. One thing they do do is bring bring the young young sister through, and they, they get a great uh, grounding and, and mindset. And uh, you know, I, I was confident them boys would do very well, and they did. You know, obviously for the club and, and for the country. So obviously, back end of the season, the World Cup rolled round, and you got to live like every young rugby player's dream—a World Cup on home soil. Obviously, you get turned over by Aussies, and then you don't play again until it's Ireland in quarterfinals up against blokes like Barry McDermott, Brian Carney, Terry O'Connor. How come we didn't play in them games? Was it always a plan to rest you, or no, no? It was the the, the final ever game for for Leeds Rhinos. It was away at uh, Odso uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I think we beat Castleford the, the week before, um, but we went to to Odso with a uh, couple of injuries. But uh, I went out to fly, flew out to to do um, Henry Paul, and he just stuck his elbow up. He caught me right in the stern, and and it was uh, just a really really bad injury. I mean, no, normally uh, in, in the off season you can have a good rest, but with the World Cup coming up, uh, you know, I did make myself available for for the Australian game, but. I was in agony all the game and, uh, you know, it was the uh, management who said, look, play against the Aussies because that's a, a big one. Uh, I think it was Russia and Fiji maybe in the other other group games and they said, look, we, we need you for the big games really, so we'll just try and try and manage you and, and that's what they did. So, didn't play the other two um, uh, rounds of the of the, of the the pool. They played in the, in the quarterfinals against... Uh, Ireland. Uh, it was great the fact it was a heading league, and you know the Irish had a few uh, Lee Drivers boys, Barry McDermott included. It was it was great. Well, then you know it was really agony, and, and, and they made a decision. Then they said, "Look, we think we can beat New Zealand in the uh, in the semis, so we don't need to play that. We want you to get right for for the final." So it was just an unfortunate injury that that needed a good rest. But you know, with the World Cup on, we couldn't really do that. So that's the reason they only played. Uh, a couple of games in the World Cup, but uh, it was a great experience. However, it was, I don't know if you remember, it was the, the, the rainiest uh, autumn on, on record. I think it rained for about five weeks solid and every game was a, you know, was a washout. So it wasn't a, wasn't a classic in, in terms of the, um, you know, holding the football and stuff like that. But again, it was uh, great to play in a, in a World Cup on home soil. 
Was it just after that World Cup made that Graham Murray signed for the Roosters? Well, I'd actually signed uh, mid midway through the year, so uh, I met met the uh, the Roosters hierarchy at the end of '99, and then throughout 2000, we was talking about signing, and I made the decision. Uh, I think it was about June in 2000, so I knew I was leaving um, the Rhinos in England at the end of the year. So uh, you know, I played my final game for the Rhinos, and then. Uh, you know, a couple of games in the World Cup, and then I was then I was off uh, down under. Around that period, mate, I know it was kind of post Super League where both seasons came came parallel. There was only kind of Harvey Howard that kind of went out there, mate. What did you want to be a bit of a pioneer reading the front foot? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, pre Super League, uh, you used to get a load of. You know, mainly the international players, English great great players, going over and guesting. Uh, in, in Australia, I think you could play about 12 weeks before you had to come back and, you know, fulfil your commitments. And again, you used to get a load of kangaroos, you know, all the better Aussie players coming over and just having about, again, about 12 weeks. And, uh, you know, so it was great that the Aussies got to see the English players and the English speckies got to see the Aussies. But you're right, since the season started in concurrent, there was, there was virtually no English players apart from, you're right, Harvey Howard. But... I just wanted to go uh, for the challenge, really. You know, uh, I knew the NRL was regarded as as the the, you know, the toughest competition in the world. So, and uh, chance to team up with uh, Graham Murray as well and and test myself in the best comp in the world. So that was that was my reasoning. I mean, don't get me wrong, I did get paid and I got paid well when I went over, but I got offered more money to stay in the UK. Leeds offered me more money, and Wigan come in at the last minute and they offered me more more than Wigan actually, but. Again, it wasn't a financial decision. It was a personal challenge, really. So, uh, and uh, yeah, but I know they get paid a lot more now over in the NRL. It'd be nice to be in my prime now and then cash in. But <laughs> as I say, I still got still got a few dollars. You, you know, you look, you go over to that team, mate. You look at the Roosters now, and you, they get to a grand final every year, but they hadn't won one in twenty-five years. And you went over. You go into a changing room with someone like Brad Fittler and, and Craig Gibbons and. How, how are you feeling going into this changing room? Well, it was very, very daunting because A, I'd never left, the, you know, I'd never gone to a new club. I'd been at Leeds for seven years and I was, uh, you know, really, really in a nice comfort zone there at Leeds, you know, that well thought of and I loved the club. And, you know, if, if the opportunity to go down under wouldn't come up, I dare say I'd, I'd stayed at Leeds all my life. I was that happy there. It was, uh, it was a great club. So I'd never left the club before and not only going to a new club, there's no English players there and they're all, didn't know anyone. Uh, I'd met Brad Fittler briefly when we played him um, in, in the World Cup, but not knowing anyone was uh, was a bit daunting. But the beauty of rugby league is you walk into a new team and you've got 25 best mates straight away. And um, the fact that it was English, they, re they really did take me in as one of their own, you know, taking me out and showing me, uh, showing me around Sydney and um, and. Uh, the, the transition was, even though it was daunting, the transition was seamless, really, because the lads were, were, were a good bunch of lads. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned Brad Fittler there. And, you know, not only was he a fantastic player and a match winner, but he was a great captain. You know, I was really impressed with how he, how he carried himself and how he spoke. And uh, he, was, he was great to play under. First full season, mate, 2001, was a bit of a slow one. He finished six in the table before... Being knocked out of the playoffs by uh, Andrew Johns led Newcastle Knights, who went on to win it. How was that first season for you? Did you feel as though you settled in all right on field? 
Well, no, I was, I was a bit disappointed, really, um, you know, because there was a lot of expectation on me. Uh, you know, you mentioned there was no English players over, but, uh, you know, the fact that I was doing well in the UK and, you know, had this bit of a reputation as a bit of a hothead, they made a big deal of it. I remember when I flew into Sydney, there was three camera crews there and uh, I just thought it was easy for them to come running over and I thought, wow, it's a, I didn't realise how big the sport was over there and then... Uh, so I did the interviews and then the first week I was there probably did about 20 interviews either on the phone or in person but that's when the bit of pressure started building up thinking I've got to perform here and uh, I knew there was pressure on me but you know that that's by the by but I was just a bit disappointed with me consistency uh, there was a couple of games where I got man of the match but then I'd have a couple of average games and uh, I actually broke my arm halfway through the year just when I was getting a bit of form together broke my arm so I missed seven weeks of, of, of the season and at the end of the season um, Graham Murray who brought me out there he, he got the sack and now I was thinking you know where does that leave me and uh, but I come back to the UK to uh, team up with Great Britain and then the new coach Ricky Stewart he, he phoned me and said look I can assure you Adrian you're in my plans I'd like you to come back to uh, to, to the Roosters and, uh, and, and I was delighted really because even though um, I didn't know where I stood I didn't want to come back and say yes I've played in the NRL I wanted to say I've come back and say I've made an impact in the NRL and then going back out the second year the second year was was playing sailing then uh, I got I got used to living away from home which was a bit of an issue you wouldn't think you'd miss Salford over Bondi Beach would you but I, I did and uh, missed my family And but as I say I got used to living away from home and that, that had a big effect and then the team was going great and then my form was going great, and then the second year, there, that's when we actually went all the way and, uh, and won the grand final. Yes, mate, just coming on to that 2002, you know, you had an unbelievable run to the grand final. You beat the Raiders, Warriors, Dragons, Sharks twice, Broncos, all in a row, and then you absolutely hammered the Warriors in the final, 30 points to eight. Um, I mean, you reached your pinnacle in, in the second year, mate. How was that for you? And, and you know, does it get any better for you from that? No, I remember I was sat, sat in the changing rooms and in the programme there was a nice piece on me and it said, which side will Morley join? And there was a list of English players who played in a grand final and lost. And there was about six names and a list of English players on the other side who played in a grand final and won. Again, there was only about six names on each. So it was quite an elite bunch, whichever uh, side had joined. But I just thought, I want to join that one. I want to be in, in, the, in the winning uh, band and... Uh, and we did, and, and you mentioned they'd not won the comp for 27 years, so to be part of that uh, setup, you know, when, when they did win, it was uh, was fantastic. And you know, I didn't realise how big the sport was. I knew it was massive, but until we made the grand final, everywhere you looked, you know, where I lived in Kudji and Bondi, there was red, white, and blue flags and interviews every two minutes, and then the whole place went absolutely nuts. And I loved the experience and. And the, and the final itself, there was 80,000 uh, screaming fans there at Olympic Stadium. And it was, it was nip and tuck for, uh, you know, for, for a half. Stacey Jones scored a fantastic, uh, you know, individual try. But then uh, after about, I think it was about, after about an hour, we got our noses in front and then one-way traffic after that. And, you know, you don't get many games where you know the result with, you know, 10 minutes to go. But I knew there was no coming back from the, uh, from the Warriors and it was... Uh, Quite an, quite an enjoyable last 10 minutes. Was that the game where you went head-to-head with Villasante? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was Brad, Brad Fittler, actually. He 
Brad inspired us without doing a great deal, only getting headbutted. So uh, he went to uh, kick, kick the ball, Brad, and I think the ball got charged down or knocked out of his hands and he got put us on his backside. But then Villa Santi just stuck the head on him, you know, flying headbutt. And then it was a bit of a shit house trick. But then we all looked at each other, all the forwards, and we didn't say anything, but we just knew, you know, there and then but that he had to get it. But, but that, that fired all us, us up, really. And then uh, I think... I, I whacked him and a couple of minutes later, Peter Hughes had whacked him, but then he was going for him, but, but just, just fired up in general. So it, it, it was great. Best thing he could have done with Asante for, for us. And uh, Freddie got stitched up and taped down, but then he, he played a great game as well. But as soon as that, that incident happened, I think there was only going to be uh, one winner there. You know, you, you flew back home in 2002 for the test series against New Zealand, mate. Blackburn, Huddersfield and Wigan, some very random places. Coming back as an NRL winner, mate, did you get that feeling that you wanted the prior season, mate? And you come back with a bit more responsibility? Yeah, very much so. And the fact that we beat the Warriors in, in the final, which was virtually, uh, you know, the, the New Zealand test side. Uh, no, I did come back with a bit more pressure on me, but... A uh, nice kind of pressure where, you know, uh, at this point, I'd, I'd, I'd played for Great Britain for, uh, you know, five or six years, but I was one of the more senior, more experienced guys then, so I did have a bit more on my shoulders, but as I say, it, it, in a good way, and uh, we ended up drawing that um, test series, which uh, I thought was good enough to, to um, beat them, really, but weren't quite good enough in the, uh, in the three tests. So, obviously, 2,000 feet, it feels like we just keep saying to you, you've had another big season. Uh, but obviously, you get to this grand final, and obviously, everyone knows about the tackling of three. But in this season, you really came into your own, and you were starting to get this reputation as a big bloke. And was this always your your tactic when you were going over there? Did you want to be a big, big intimidating figure and stamp your gate, stamp your authority on the game? Yeah, well, you know, playing in the UK created a bit of a, a reputation as you know a bit of a you know big hitter and uh, you know one of the enforcers and. Uh, the beauty of it when I went over to the NRL, no one had heard of me really, so I had to prove the, uh, you know, try and get the reputation over there again. And you know, the fact that I was playing against a lot of Aussies as well every week was great because no one likes Aussies, do they? So <laughs> it, it was great. And once I got used to the intensity of the, the week-to-week uh, games, which was again that was uh, a bit different. Um, I loved it. I loved, loved the experience. You know, it was so uh, so tough every week, and uh, all three was. Arguably, my, my, my finest year as a player, you know, I'm really confident from the year before winning the grand final. And then uh, 2003, I ended up getting the, the Player of the Year award at the, at the Roosters. And, you know, considering it's a star-studded side, it was, it was a big well to, uh, to get that. And we made another grand final. Uh, we weren't quite good enough against the, uh, the Penrith Panthers, but uh, it felt great all, all year. And um, sort of think how old I was then, but yeah, it was one of my one of my better years anyway. So I was really felt as I was really on top of my game, and that was probably you mentioned the, the tackle before. That was probably had a factor why and, and how and why I did get sent off in the in the first minute. I just felt felt like the hardest, baddest forward on the planet, and uh, just and my best year. I got come back to England. I just thought right. I'm going to show my British teammates how to handle these Aussies. And I knew this test series was coming up, so I was all year I was fired up. All these kangaroos, possibles and probables, I'd battered them all year. Got back to the UK, went, right, we're going to, we're going to sort these Aussies out. And then a bit too fired up and then kicked off. And we all know what happened next. It was a nightmare. 
<laughs> yeah, so on that series, obviously, the Aussies went on to win 3-0 and it kind of started at a period of time where Aussies were really dominant. What, where do you think we, we fell short? What, what, obviously, we had some world-class talent and so did they, but where did we fall short to what they had? Well, do you know what? In every, every one of them tests in all three, there was nothing in it. You know, we was more than a match. In fact, we were beating them every test uh, with them, until about five minutes to go, then they found a way to win. So there was there was nothing in it, only the fact that you know they 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 found found a way to win. Uh, when I got sent off, you know, I felt totally responsible. Uh, I was I was hoping on the bench that remember when uh, Edwards got sent off in '94 and we held on for a famous win. I was just hoping if they could boys could hold on for that, you know, and I'd, I'd buy them all. Buy them, I'd, I'd love them all, but then. I think it was Darren Lockyer who scored or set someone up and uh, it brought me out really. But then in the second test, we was winning, you know, I think it was 18-0 at one point. And then again, they, they, they found a way to, uh, to to come back. And and the last test, which was dead rubber, you'd think, you know, we're, uh, you know let's play for a bit of pride. Again, we was, we was beating them. I thought, what do we need to do to beat these bastards? And uh, I can hear to, you say it that way. So, so, yeah, it's fine, it's anyway, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not a light so, Satellite anyway, yeah. but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what we need to do to beat these Aussie so and sos, uh, and unfortunately we didn't get didn't get didn't get the win. But uh, the following year, you know, we had a similar squad and we, we ended up beating them in one of the uh, one, of, one of the Tri Nations uh, in, in the uh, in the round. So there, there was nothing in it, you know. At that at that stage, there was the Kiwis, England, uh, sorry, Great Britain, and the Aussies, and there was nothing in it. I, I do think. The kangaroos had the edge on us because their, their uh, domestic competition is so intense and so tough. Uh, you know, they, they play for 80 minutes every, every week. And because we've not got that um, intensity at every club game, I think they do have a bit of an edge over us and improving that test. You know, in the last five minutes of every test, they found a way to win. So coming into our format, you actually get to a third consecutive grand final, which is a massive achievement in itself, beating the likes of Canberra and the Cowboys on the way to that grand final against the Doggies. Some big names in there, obviously you had Willie Mason, Asatasi, O'Mealy and a young Sonny Bill. Um, what was that season like? And then coming back home again, this time for the uh, Tri-Nations in England, much better performance. We beat New Zealand uh, and a win over Australia in the group stage, but unfortunately did lose to the Aussies at Ellen Road. Um, seems to be pretty much the same story as you've mentioned, just with the works that I had, just sort of uh, doing it when it matters, sort of thing. Well, going back to the club stuff in, in Sydney, we, we'd we'd uh, we'd got this great rivalry going with uh, Canterbury. It started when in two thousand and two, when we won the competition, uh, Canterbury was flying high. They was top of the table and the best team over there, but they got all the points stripped for um, salary cap breaches, and so there was always a question mark whether. You know, if they'd have still been in the competition, would they have won it or were we worthy winners? Now, uh, you know, that, that question mark remained and it was quite fitting really that we met in the, in the grand final uh, two years later and uh, we'd had some great ding-dongs throughout the, the year and, and the, the final w w was great. We was, I think it was 13 nil up we were winning and they ended up beating us 16-13, but um, great to play against the young Sonny Bill Williams and even when... At that young age, he knew he was going to be a very special talent. But I thought we, we could have sneaked it. Right at the end, uh, Mick Crocker made a half break and he just got ankle tapped by, uh, oh, what was he called now? Second row of Bobcat. It'll come to me in a minute. But Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan, that was it, yeah. But 
But but little, little moments like that, a bit like uh, Callum Watkins in the World Cup final, the ankle tap, little moments like that can win or lose games. And we had Chris Walker, who was a flyer on, on his inside, and if, if he had an ankle tap in, we'd, we'd have scored a, a famous victory. But little moments like that. But but again, great to play in a grand final, even though we didn't get the win. I'd, I'd rather play in a grand final and, and lose, you know, just compete than, than not playing one at all. So to play in three consecutive was uh, was amazing, and uh, yeah, and to play against them boys in the uh, in the grand final was great. And just touching on that 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 Tri Nations in England, obviously getting some good victories uh, against New Zealand and Australia, but unable to sort of add that that finishing touch to it. What what was it in that series? Was it sort of the yeah. same story? Well. well just on a personal level, it was it was great that um, we beat New Zealand first, but then we played the Aussies. Um, no, sorry, we got beat off, off Australia at City's ground. Then we beat the Kiwis, but then we played the Aussies at Wigan again, and it was uh, deja vu for me. You know, I'd had an absolute nightmare the year before, so to beat the Aussies was great anyway, but to do it at Wigan, it was a bit of... Uh, uh, you know, put that one to bed and, you know, draw a line under, under the incident. So it was great to get the win. And then he, uh, he rested it, Brian Noble rested a few players against the Kiwis the following week. Uh, but we still beat the Kiwis and we ended up finishing the group as, as uh, in number one position above the Aussies. And I've never been as confident before in my life going against the Aussies. You know, you always think, you know, uh, we, we can possibly get them. But I went into that game thinking we're going to smash these uh and we all know what happened uh, the first half there on the road. It's probably a perfect performance by the Kangaroos. And we come in at half-time, 38 nil down, and there was no way back. And uh, Brian Noble just said at half-time, he said, look, I don't think you can win this test, boys, but what you can do is finish with a bit of pride. There's 40,000 people here, and uh, you know, I just want you to win this half. And I think we scored, but then... I think they scored as well. So I think the second half was six four to the Aussies, so we couldn't even win an half. But it was uh, it was a, apart from the final, I thought it was a great tournament. You know, we had some great victories, but then uh, same old, same old where the Aussies uh, do was in the final. I think six four and a half against the Aussies at that time period mate, is still an achievement, just about how many world class yeah. players they had. To be fair. Um, going into 05, uh, Freddie Fittler retired and the Roosters actually missed out on the playoffs, finishing ninth. Was Fittler really the difference in that season and you noticed it now that, that he's left or was there something else? Uh, that, that was a massive factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, to lose someone of his stature, as I said before, not only was he a match winner, you know, he could win a game on his own, he was a fantastic captain and a great talker. So we did lose an element of... Um, of that, a bit of a direction. And then uh, Luke Rickerton took over, he was a great captain, but, you know, all due respect to Rico, he just wasn't a, a Brad Fittler. So, uh, disappointing to, to, to miss out. Well, that's when I, I got a phone call uh, from uh, Brian Noble. It was when Andrew Johns just signed that short-term deal with Warrington Wolves. It was a big news. Uh, and then, not before me, he said, look, if you don't make the playoffs, uh, will you come over and, and guest for the... Uh, Bradford Bulls, uh, but it was an awkward conversation I had to have with uh, the owner, Nick Politis. I had to go in and say, look, if we don't make the playoffs here, can I go to England and play for a club who are going to make the playoffs? But he was great, Nick. He said, look, you've given me great service, Adrian, and uh, if we don't make the playoffs, you've got my, my blessings. And uh, But at the time, I still felt affiliated with the Leeds Rhinos, 
and they were the enemy of Bradford and I couldn't see myself playing for them. So I phoned Gary Etherington and explained to him what had happened. But Gary being Gary, very shrewd. Uh, great, you want to come over, agent? Great, you want to come over? But um, we can't give you any money. Um, he said, I don't think Tony Smith will play you now at this stage of the year. And uh, Oh, you'll have to get your own airfare, of course. And I just thought, you're not giving me much of a choice here, are you, Gary? So, uh, so I signed for Bradford and um, I did know a few of the boys because... You know, the internationals, Jamie Peacock and Justin Harris and them, but felt like a bit of an imposter though, you know, coming into their squad at that stage of the of the year. And they was on a bit of a roll themselves and I played every game while I was there and we won six games straight, ironically beating Lee Drynos in the in the grand final and getting that win, uh, become the first Englishman to win a grand final on, on both sides of the world. But I wouldn't change it and I'm so pleased for the opportunity of Bradford, but of all the things I've won, that's probably my least your know, favourite because I've not been with the boys all year, you know. No, I to- totally understand that. But in the in the short stint that you did, you obviously made a massive impact. Just on a personal level, what was it like to to be lining up against Leeds in in that final? And and to as you say, to it, it means obviously not as much as your ones, but it must have been nice to actually to win the Super League sort of after some failed attempts earlier. Well, it was great. I mean, if you'd have asked me. You know, if you'd have told me uh, halfway through the year at the, when I was at the Roosters saying you're going to be uh, playing in a grand final at the end of the year uh, back in England for Bradford Bulls against Leeds Rhinos, I would have thought they were, they were mad. But that's just the way it worked out. And uh, I think it was uh, uh, Barry McDermott's final ever game. So it was, it was for the Leeds Rhinos. So it was great to play in Barry's uh, last game. But, you know, five years before, played with uh, a lot of them boys for, for the Leeds Rhinos. So it was... It was quite surreal, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was a professional and, you know, Bradford were paying me to, to do a job and you got to put a bit of emotion to the side and, and just delighted that we, uh, you know, ended up going to Old Trafford and got me hand on some silverware as well. And it was, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a few festivities after that. I think we went to Budapest for the end of the season trip and it was, uh, it was nice. We had, we, had, we had a good time. You know, moving into the 2005 Tri-Nation Series again, mate, unfortunately we just just didn't have enough to qualify for the final. Just looking around that time period, mate, kind of that 10 years, 10-year period, there was a big international series at the end of every single season. Do you think that's what's missing now as opposed to kind of one-off and then the World Cup every now and again? Do you think they really need that big test series? I think so. I mean, I mentioned before when I was a kid, it was, it was my, uh, you know, every year that I looked towards the end of the year and Where's Great Britain playing, and uh, you know, are they touring and that kind of thing? And you know, when I was playing and you know playing for Great Britain, it was great. End of the year, there's nothing, nothing better. All the things I've done, you know, winning stuff with with clubs is great. But my, my proudest moment is is representing my country, uh, whether that be England or Great Britain. And fantastic, you know, you have you have four weeks at the end of the year. You're spending, you know, in hotels in each other's company, the best players in in your. In, in the country and it's, it's absolutely incredible so I do think that is missing you know not only uh, great experience for the players but it, it does uh, add to the coffers to, for the rugby league and you know obviously the Australian the Kiwis they get paid as well so it's a good good money generator but everyone wants to see uh, Great Britain or England represented uh, at the end of the year don't they? Especially the fans mate as well and especially because you look at teams like Tonga and, and P&G are starting to step up especially obviously the recent World Cup that shows exactly that, mate. But in um, 2006, you went back, you know, really tough season actually for the Roosters. You finished second bottom in, in 14th. 
you know, what happened to totally change these fortunes? Because, you know, obviously yourself, Fitzsim, Minicello, we're still at the club and Ricky Shoot was still there. Um, what happened there? Well, it's a tough question, really, because we still had a great squad. You just mentioned that. But I think... Um, I think Ricky Stewart, um, you know, as great a coach as he was, I think at that time, I think coaches maybe have a, a shelf life and, you know, he really, he trained us really hard, Ricky, and for, for three years it was great, but I think the players were a bit burnt out. He did really, really crack the whip and he probably learned from that, you know, whereas uh, he'd probably um, give the boys a bit more leeway now, but, but he, he, he cracked the whip and he, uh, so I think the players were a bit burnt out, um, you know, and um, the, uh, Bradford retired two years before. Uh, Luke Rickerson retired. He was, you know, one of our uh, leading figures, and uh, just a combination of a few things. And you know, other teams strengthened as well. You know, you you can't stay there for uh, when I was there for six years. Six different teams won the competition. Six, you know, so uh, anyone could beat anyone in the day. And you know, other teams were improving, and we were just declining. But you only have to have a bit of decline, and yet. And you're right down there, and and losing becomes a bit of a habit as, as well as winning. So we just had a uh, morale was low, and then we just finished, uh, you know, rock bottom. And I think the writing was on the wall for Ricky Stewart. You know, he said if we don't make the playoffs this year, I'm on my way out. And um, you know, I think you know, with a couple of months to go, we knew we weren't going to make the playoffs, and it weren't a it weren't a great place to be. Really, it was uh, morale was a, was a bit low, so it was uh, yeah, it was um, a bit disappointing. 2006 ended up being your last out there, mate. How did that come about, and, and how could you sum up your six years over at the Roosters? So it come about because um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, we fell pregnant with our first child, and um, I was uh, 29 year old at this point, and we just thought it'd be great to have, uh, you know, the grandparents around with us at this special time. So, uh, so that's when I said to my manager, um, you know, I want to go back to the UK, and uh, the Roosters, you know, even though it was. Uh, it was all a bit, uh, morale was a bit low, but I was still enjoying living, you know, the lifestyle there at the, in, in Sydney. And the, the Roosters were talking about a year or two, you know, sign a new deal. And I was still tempted, but then uh, Wigan and Warrington come in with these four-year deals, which, you know, a bit security, the fact I could come home and we could have the baby here. So that was, that was the main reason, really. So we made the decision. And then, um, and that, that's when we uh, we come home. Excellent, mate. So, like, when when you continue from there, two thousand and six Tri Nations was the one down under, obviously in your territory. It, you know, tough ones again, mate. One win in four, but the one win is is kind of that game that everyone still talks about to this day. Um, Willie Mason giving it the big mouth in the media the, the time before, and and was it a case of you boys in the dress room just just wanting to really shut his mouth? Yeah, well, I was there. It's an iconic win, that, and that, again, that in lockdown, that's been on a few times on the TV, and I've watched it. And even though I know the result, the last five minutes, I'm biting my nails, thinking, "You hold on, boys." But, uh, but it was the, the week before. We just got beat off New Zealand by a couple of points, and we was unlucky not to get a result over there. It was really hard for the for the British boys. We had to go over and play four Test matches in four consecutive weeks, where the Aussies and the Kiwis had a week off in between each Test. Uh, so. We was up against it, but that, that, that second game against the Aussies, it was great. I mean, we did go into it confident. And uh, from, a, from a personal point of view, I'd just finished my career there at the Roosters and finished uh, with a bit of, um, 
and I'd, well, I'd, I'd got sent off in my, in my final game and I got a, a seven-game ban and need, need some in the head. So it was finished with a, a really bad taste in the mouth. I was, I was absolutely shattered at the way it finished. And to get another chance to play another game in Australia, at my own ground as well, you know, it was at the, uh, the, the Sydney uh, footy stadium there, it was great. And the fact we got the win, and, uh, but it was great. He had everything you need in a in a test match. Uh, you know, Willie Mason, he, he clobbered John Long, and you know, clobbered uh, Stu Field, and I was gutted really when 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 it kicked off against. <laughs> I was on the bench and I was like <laughs> jumping at the bit, but I couldn't couldn't get out there. But um, you know, I ended up getting on, and uh, I think I played about fifty five minutes. But it was great, even though you know we was confident, we was in front. You can never write the Aussies off. They they come to bite us on the ass too many times so we, we had to concentrate for the full 18 minutes but uh, just at the end when, when they made that break and uh, it went wide to um, uh, Gaz Rayner and then uh, it was just the elation you know there's a couple of minutes left and they, they couldn't come back then it was just a really really special moment and uh, it was great watching it on, on TV the other day and just everyone's faces it was uh, it was great but but you're right one win uh, it's not good enough to, to, to get you the uh, get to the final. We went away the following week and we got we got a bit of an idea off New Zealand and uh, that's when Sean Long uh, left us and then um, we was always up against it anyway, you know. Uh, but but I thought Longy against the Aussies had his probably his best game uh, in, in a Great Britain jersey without a doubt. So we needed Longy. We gave him a game up in Brisbane, but they were too too strong the Aussies. But it was uh, you know. You could argue was it a successful tour just getting one win, and I'd say it was. You know, uh, you know, get, getting that win and it put a lot of smile on a lot of people's faces, and uh, you know, we're not winning Sydney for for a long time, and and uh, yeah, it was great. Excellent, mate. So you came home to have your young and obviously you signed for Warrington. They, they, they're not the Warrington you kind of see now. Not the type of super super top two type of team. They were a team in transition, and they were, they were a club in transition, mate. You finished. Um, you finished seventh in the table that season and got knocked out in the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup. Did you see that they were a team trying to push to the up? Obviously, they've just signed yourself. They had Libriers and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the reason that I signed for Warrington. I was really impressed with their, you know, Simon Moran and his vision for the for the club and, and Paul Cullen, you know, where he, he was the coach there. I got on great with Cole. And, uh, you know, he said, we are going to bring in quality players uh, such as yourself, Adrian, and we, are, we want to be one of the one of the challenges rather than, you know, the bridesmaids. And uh, it didn't quite happen overnight. But, you know, as the years went on, we got better and better. And uh, But the first year was disappointing for me. Uh, uh, you know, I broke my arm my first year in Australia, my, my, my first first game, actually, for one. And I broke my cheekbone and missed oh, yeah. seven, seven weeks. In my comeback game, I re-broke it and missed another six weeks. And I just thought, it's not going as well. I would have liked this return to, to Super League. But... Um, but there was a couple of games later on in the year I was quite pleased with, but then there's a bit of a, on the whole, there's a bit of a write-off 2007, but that's uh, the following year, that's when Cole asked me to, to captain the side. Now, if you'd have asked me earlier in my career, are you captain material, I would have just said no. Um, you know, I weren't very professional in terms of, you know, drinking and that kind of thing. And But at this point in my life, in my career, I was 30 years old, I'd just become a dad, been an international for more than 10 years and I just thought I'm ready for this now you know I don't want to uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to take it lightly I didn't want to put my name down as captain and then you know start getting sent off and that kind of thing so I made a conscious decision as captain not to 
play the way I used to play. And uh, very proud to say I never got sent off uh, or suspended as as captain. But then that year, at the end of that year, that's when Cullen got asked to, you know, leave the club. And I was thinking, was Warrington the right club to go to? And uh, was it right to go back to Super League? All these things were going around my mind. But then it took the introduction of Tony Smith really to um, turn the club's fortunes around. They always had a great squad assembled by uh, Simon Moran, but they probably needed someone like Tony, who was a uh, you know strict disciplinarian and. Uh, you know, took us to the next level. Our, our form in, in 09 was, Super League form was still terrible, but we just got in a bit of a role in the cup, winning and winning and winning. And then uh, we went all the way down to Wembley and, and got the win in, in 09. But I felt I felt bad for Cole, really. I thought he got let down by a few of his players, you know. Uh, you know, he did he did give him a bit of a, a bit of a free reign. And, and um, you know, for them to abuse that, you know, getting bladdered and doing the, doing the wrong thing, because he was a great coach and a great guy. And, it was, it was disappointing the way it finished with him at Warrington because he's a Warrington lad and uh, it meant the world to him. But but you know that's the way the uh, Simon saw uh, the direction of the of the club. And then, as I say, Tony Smith, he was he was great for the club. Definitely, and you can see on on the years gone by how Warrington have transformed themselves under the the sort of the guidance of uh, Moran into into the team that we see today. Just touching in 08 in the World Cup down under, uh, we got a win over PNG and, and but group stage losses to New Zealand, Australia put us against New Zealand in the semis, uh, which we did unfortunately lose and New Zealand went on to win. Um, how was that World Cup for you? Obviously, it had been a long eight years since the last World Cup. How was this one for you, mate? Well, it was great because the fact it was in Australia and uh, you know I'd, I'd been playing my uh, stuff down there only two years before. So it was great, you know, on, on a personal level, the, the actual... Rugby league was disappointing. We got a we got a good hiding off Australia in Melbourne, and uh, we was beating the the Kiwis in Newcastle, and uh, we should have beat them really. But then the uh, the semi final, again we didn't play particularly well, but we're still in with a chance. So I don't I can't remember the score, but it was only four points possibly. But it was it was heartbreaking. You know, I knew personally I was never going to get another chance to play in a in a World Cup. So that was my last throw of the dice really. So. Uh, and the fact that the, the Kiwis actually went on to win. So if we had have got through, we would have, would have given them a, you know, a great game in the final. But it's all lifts and butts and uh, it wasn't to be. But um, it, it was nice. My wife come out with my son uh, at the end of it, watched a couple of games and then we had a nice holiday in, uh, in Australia after it. But it was, uh, even though it was an enjoyable experience to World Cup, it was tough to... Tough to watch at the end when uh, when the Kiwis won it. I thought that you know that could have been us. Yeah, definitely. In two thousand nine, though, you did have better better fortunes with Warrington. Obviously, as you mentioned, they uh, went to Wembley, won the Challenge Cup. Your second and their first for over fifty years. Um, that must have been an, an amazing experience. And then in twenty ten to go back and do it all over again. That must have. I think that a lot of people thought we've got a very close friend who's a Warrington fan. That 09 was definitely the turning point in the fortunes of the club. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, Get, getting that win, uh, you know, the, the shackles were off then and uh, confidence just rose and we was no longer the, the nearly men, we was, you know, uh, the, the, the contenders and uh, champions and, and 2010, our, our Super League form improved dramatically, you know, and it also, uh, the cup run was great, so to win the cup was great, to defend it is a tough thing to do, but we went down there and defended it. Uh, 2011, we won the League Leader Shield, um, 2012 won the cup again, 
and uh, made made a grand final in, in 2012. Yeah. What was that time time like when you finished with the league leaders' shield and you get get into the first grand final? Did you really think that you should have been been winning them games? Yeah, the most disappointing was 2011 uh, because I did feel well. It proved on the table with the best team all year. We'd be, you know, our main uh, rivals were Leeds, Wigan, and St. Helens, and we'd beat we'd beat them home and away, uh, all, all three of them boys. And uh, I think it was Leeds who beat us in the uh, in, in in the semi final at, at the at the. Um, Ellawell Jones by two points, so there was nothing in it. But you know, I did feel that was probably our best team as well. You know, out of all the years I was there, I was most confident that year. Um, you know, about going all the way to Old Trafford, didn't quite get there. But then, you know, we was confident at this point to make a grand final in 2012. That was Leeds who beat us again in the in the grand final, but it was a close one. And uh, 2013, uh, my final ever game for Warrington was another grand final. And, we was beating Wigan quite convincingly at half, uh, up to half time, but then we had a couple of uh, injuries to a couple of uh, major players, and then uh, second half was a different story. Then, but I mentioned before, it's nice to play in a grand final. Nice to play in a grand final for the final game, but it would have been uh, would have been a fairy tale finish to to get the win, but wasn't quite good enough. But you know, out of the seven years I was there, uh, you know, played in a number of Challenge Cup finals, a number of grand finals. League leader Shield, it was uh, you know very very successful time. Yeah, definitely, and no one could ever argue that. Obviously, getting to finals and winning some silverware is a massive achievement. Just on a, a little side note, what what do you think it is about Warrington that they would just seem unable to get past that final hurdle? Like obviously, you were there. They should have beaten Wigan. They were the better team for the majority of the game in that final game. You should you should have won. Why do you think it's just just not being able to get to get over that hurdle? Um, Good question. I'm not too sure. I know Wigan. You know they probably had a bit more um, grand final experience than us. But we did lose uh, Joe Monin and we lost uh, Stephen Ratchford, who were uh, you know two key players in, in key positions. So that that had a that had a bit of an effect. Uh, but you know Wigan weren't there just uh, for the sake of it. They were there on merit. You know they were one of the one of the top sides. So. Some games go for you, some go against you, but it was, it was great. You know, the experience was great and the fact we were, you know, giving them a whooping and then they come back, it was like a boxing match really. But just one of them things, but the fact that they've been there a couple of times um, since, you know, there is a bit of a worry that they've not actually got their hands on the, the Super League title yet. But, um, you know, you won't, you won't bet against them this year. They're going, they're going particularly well, but I think, you know, it's only a matter of time you know, uh, the, the squad they've got and uh, you know, the way they're going about the business. I think it's only a matter of time before they win a grand final. Yeah, you mentioned, mate, your last game. Then you ended up at your hometown club, Salford, for the final two seasons of your career, mate. How could you sum up and, and what, what brought you to the end of your career? Well, uh, you know, I've always been a Salford fan and um, wherever I've played throughout the world, I've always kept my eye on Salford. And I just felt me, my career would feel a bit incomplete if I didn't play for me at my hometown club. And uh, it was Mad Mao and Kukash who, who phoned me halfway through 2013. And, uh, you know, he explained, you know, he'd love to bring me back home and finish my career. And there's going to be a role for me there, which, you know, it's important you look after your future. Rugby league's not paid that well where you can just retire. So I just thought there'll be a job there when I finish and uh, in my hometown, which was great. Get to get to play for 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 Salford, but 
Um, it was still a tough decision because I was very, very happy at Warrington, you know, making these major finals. I was captain, and uh, so it was still a tough decision. But um, I just felt, you know, that that twelve-year-old kid inside me thinking, you know, you, you know, you're gonna you're gonna play for for Salford. So I made the decision, and it was it was great, you know, uh, representing uh, Salford. But I do feel we underachieved for the uh, for the squad we had. You know, Marwan did assemble a great squad, but we probably underachieved but then the plan was do one year then go on this uh, you know on the, on the commercial side but I was playing okay I got to play another year uh, so I played two years I was 38 when I, when I finally retired but it was great you know playing for uh, for Salford you know mate just 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 rounding up I, I'm 27 I turned 28 this year and I I can remember your entire career and I've got to say on behalf of anyone in my generation, and probably a bit older as well, you were kind of the quintessential Great Britain rugby league star. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for everything you've kind of done for our game. And in my opinion, you've kind of led, you know, the Burgess boys, Elliot Whitehead, Josh Hodgson, John Bateman, going out to Australia and really making a name for themselves. And just to kind of round off, mate, how, how can you sum up your career and, and is there anything that you told us that you wanted to do but couldn't quite achieve? Uh, well, everyone has regrets. I mean, I would have liked to have a bit more uh, success internationally, you know, because I played in uh, probably 15 uh, different test series or World Cups and uh, without getting a great deal of success. I would have liked to have a bit more success uh, club-wise, but, I mean, sorry, international-wise, but, but again, as, as Frank Tanato said, Regrets, I have a few, but then again, too few to mention. But apart apart from that, you know, I just enjoyed the ride. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and thanks for your kind words as well, you know, mentioning about the, the boys who are playing in the NRL now. I'm very, very proud of them. You know, they're, they're, they're going fantastically well and they really are doing Britain proud. And, you know, if I inspired them in any way to, to go and try and look down under, I'm, I'm proud of that as well. But, but yeah, no, no regrets. And uh, yeah, as I say, I just enjoyed the ride and, uh, I'd like to like to think I played the game with a smile and uh, always always tried my best and that's that's all you can do really. I have to second uh, Jamie's sentiment there. And like one of my earliest memories is like waking up when the, the tests were down under. You'd wake up like seven eight in the morning, obviously get it on, and obviously see it players such as yourself going out and sort of one of my first loves of rugby league and just seeing obviously these blokes just smashing into each other and, and what I ended up playing at amateur level for years and probably one of them reasons is watching you boys. Um, in the early years, so I have to thank you for that. Uh, just one more question from me. Um, I like to ask this to everyone, and uh, I, you're definitely not going to be short of options. But who's the best player that you've played with, and who's the best player that you've played against? Uh, well, the best player I played with, uh, my very first game for Leeds, I was actually get, I got to play with uh, Emily Anley. So I come off the bench. We was only on the pitch together for about five minutes, and then he went off injured. But not many people can say they played with their idol. He was, he was, in my opinion, the best, you know, English Great Britain player. But um, probably Sam Burgess, really. I mean, even though I only played with Valerie for five minutes, I can't really count that. But played a number of test matches with uh, Sam Burgess, and he, uh, he, he was fantastic. You know, even from an early age, uh, I played with him when he was eighteen for Great Britain, and he was knocking them Kiwis on, on the backside. I just thought he's, he's got a talent, but. My, my pay in rugby league is the big lads who don't really use the weight and, you know, a bit timid, whereas Sam used every ounce and every every bit of his weight to his advantage and uh, lots of skill and, and very, very tough players. So, 
you know, again, he's another one who went down under and absolutely killed it. So I'm very, very proud of Sam. So uh, probably Sam's the best player I've played with, uh, best player i played against. And he was been a, a thorn in mine and Great Britain side for uh, virtually all my career. And that's Darren Lockyer. He just had uh, so much time on his hands when he had the ball. And um, yeah, the amount of test matches we were winning, then he'd come up with a bit of magic and uh, break our hearts. So I'd say uh, Darren Lockyer. Superb, Malte. I mean, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an honour and a pleasure on our behalf. Perhaps the greatest rugby league career from Great Britain, especially in my lifetime, mate. You've won Challenge Cups, NRLs, World Club Challenges, Super Leagues, 30 caps for GB and 23 caps for England, mate. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you again for Jed. No worries, pal. All the best. Cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks, Paz. Cheers, pal.